0: And guess what? It pays off on the back end. Your clients realize it, the agents realize it, and they wanna, people wanna work with people like that.
1: So the big question is, what are the top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? If you ever thought about this, you're not
2: alone. No one has been able to get the answers until now. We spent the last few years helping agents sell billions in real estate rubbing shoulders with top producers which got us thinking how can we expose more people to these insights to help raise the standard in the whole real estate industry we then realized that we could help bridge the gap by getting secrets from the best of the best so that you can succeed my name is andrew dunn and my name is peter michael welcome to elite agent secrets one of the other topics you want to talk about which is about being the person that everyone wants to work with. So it sounds like what one thing that I love, 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 love about your story is this has actually taken you quite a long time to achieve and you haven't given up. Like it basically took I you- I think that's the most impressive part too. Because it's so much easier to just give up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know you were doing, you weren't doing no deals. Like you were still a six figure agent, you know, like it wasn't, you know, you weren't doing 40 grand a year type thing, but it would, have, I'm sure there's, been times where you're like why am I doing this like this is so frustrating this is so hard and I think you've unpacked some of those situations and you just had that like actually I've just got to be accountable for my own actions here like this isn't the world it's me it's my fault that this isn't working and a lot of people have that victim mentality where it's like no it's everyone else it's not me I'm, I'm fucking perfect and it's like no you you've got to change you can't expect the world to change you've got to change and that's obviously a process you've gone through now now where you're at which is you're crushing it, and I think that big change is also being that person that people now want to work with. So you're getting, I'm sure, the repeat business, and you know this is one of the things you want to discuss. So I want to unpack what you mean specifically about being the person that everyone wants to work with, and obviously you're getting deals from that.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, so that that is like a that's a loaded topic. Okay, and I want to try to. It's so important that I want to try to try to nail it and, and give you know your audience um, what they need to hear about this. Um, so like, I, like we stated earlier, you know I'm doing a certain level of business whether it's you know 55 million a year or 95 transactions. Um, a, a lot of people approach me about expanding my team. I don't really have a team I have two admin, let's call them. Um, and that's strategic. So, I I don't want to grow. I'm not saying that I'll never grow my team per se. Like, I will never, not to say that I'll never have a buyer's agent or I'll never, um, you know, hire someone to help me out as I get older. But um, I strategically like to keep it really small. I like to keep it mom and pop because my business is different than I'm with KW and the KW model is grow these large teams. I'm the antithesis to that. I don't want to have a large team. I want to give my client that mom and pop feel. I mean, I think the better you can set and I'm, again, I'm digressing a little bit, but the better you can set your client's expectations from the beginning, the less you're going to have to the less collateral damage you're going to have to deal with on the back end. So a lot of people say how do you do 95 transactions? I wouldn't I'm not going to say it's easy, but I have the trust of my client, right? They listen to what I say and that just doesn't happen by snapping my fingers that happens from a lot of a lot of conversations ahead of time um you know giving them advice and then once they're once they're extremely satisfied with the transaction and how things are going and how they were treated they're going to go out of their way to refer you to everyone they know and that's really how i've learned to build my business Um, like i said there's there's these and there's nothing wrong with having a large team. Like there's nothing. I just handle mine differently where the larger teams, they will hand it down to the next person, and the next person. And that's fine. Cause that's, that's very efficient as well. But from that perspective, they may not get that same handholding experience that they would with someone like me. Um, now, again, don't get me wrong. Like I'm up at four in the morning and I'm pretty much going strong until about seven or eight at night Um, just because I enjoy it. I love it. Um, But that's, I'm I'm efficient. That's how I'm able to do 95 transactions because I'm setting expectations ahead of time. And,
1: um, you know, and I have the trust of my clients. How How are you managing? See, like this is what I'm having a very hard time conceptualizing is how are you managing 95 transactions by yourself with two admins, like that's a lot to juggle. We're talking about what? If I take 95 divided by 12, we're talking about at least eight transactions per month, right? Seven to eight transactions at any given time, which means that you have to, when you say you have to be efficient, not only do you have to be efficient on the transaction side, but you have to be efficient on the prospecting side. The processing side, the scheduling side, like it's you. Pretty much, my assumption is you run everything like clockwork. Like, so do you time block? Do you do certain things on certain days specifically? Like, do you schedule closings only on X Y Z days or inspection on X Y Z date? Like, what does that look like? Help us understand what what does efficiency look like in Mike's world? Okay, well, I think I think the answer
0: today is different than the answer a year and a half ago or two, cause the market's different. Um, the market right now, obviously we know in the United States that it's, it's, a, it's the best sellers market in the history, right? So of selling homes. So where that's leveraged me is if I'm working, I work with buyers and sellers, I would say I'm probably like 65% sellers and then the rest would be, I work with buyers. But since there's like, let's just use the buyer perspective. I'm not out showing 20 homes on a Saturday afternoon. I'm showing the clientele that I work with is typically not as much first-time home buyers. I still work with first-time home buyers, but it's more like the seasoned buyer and you know the inventory just isn't out there. So one home will pop up and I'll show my client one, two or three homes and then if I'm working and this kind of goes to that that other topic of being the guy or girl that everyone wants to work with. I'm making that offer that my buyer is getting that offer accepted. Whether I have to kick the door down for that seller or what they're getting that offer. That's part of the efficiency. Um, that just doesn't happen by just emailing the offer over to the listing agent. It just doesn't happen. But the efficiency is there because there's a strategy behind it. Um, and I'm just not wasting a
1: lot of time. I'm not going out showing 20 homes. So, so what, what does your strategy look like when you submit an offer? Like why is your offer getting accepted? Because I have a, I have a feeling I may have an idea, but I'm not doing your numbers. So I want to know what you're doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't have to show 15 houses like I did last Saturday. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I, I, get the, I get the chills from that question because I'm so passionate about
0: it. Um, and I want to, I'm going to start with the end in mind and, and work backwards. Um, one of the topics is be the guy or girl everyone wants to work with. This is not, and this is not to take away from you're not doing 95 transactions. Is nothing to do with that, but i um, five years ago, I, I found out where my niche was and it was in my hometown where I live. And I will sell homes outside of that, but I target Westchester, Pennsylvania. That's where I live. That's where I know everyone. That's where I know values. That's where I love. Like I love being there. So why does that have to do with getting an offer accepted? It's because that's where I concentrate and that's where people know me. And that's where all the other agents know me. Right? So it starts with that. Be the guy that everybody wants to work with um, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but then you have to have a strategy. If they're not just going to take my offer cause I'm a good guy, that's just not how it works. You got to give them something that their, their seller is going to want to accept. Right. So how does it look? You ask. All right. So this is how it looks. I'll either know about the house before it comes on the market. Number one. Um, and I'll get a jump on it somehow that way. That's probably 20% of the time or the other. So let's just do a normal scenario where the home comes on the market. Number one, if I know my client's going to love it, boom, I'm on the phone with the agent right away. I'm already striking up a conversation. I'm, what I'm doing guys is I'm making it very hard for them to say no to me. Okay. Um, so I get in the house, I call, this is not, this is not a market where you call the, sell, the selling, the listing agent and you say, Oh, is it propane or natural gas? Is it, you know, what are the neighbors like? Like this is not that market. This is a market where you show that house And you call that agent and say, my guys love it. I'm going to, I'm going to die if I don't get this house for them. Like, what do I need to do? Okay. You strike up that conversation in this market. What I'm doing is I'm being the first one to submit the offer because if they have a deadline of three days from now, it gives me time to converse with that agent over the next three days and say, Hey, where are, where am I? Do we need to do something different? How can I make this better? What do I need to do? I'm great to work with, you know, that we've worked on three other transactions. What am you have to be borderline very annoying with these people because annoyed, they'll, they'll get annoyed. But they'll also, when they have eight offers in their hand, it's going to be very hard for them to pick up that phone and call me and say, Mike, you didn't get the deal. Like it's very hard for them to do that. I know that because it's hard for me when I have an agent that's all over me. And then I have to call them be like, you didn't get it. They're going to be, what do you mean? I didn't get it. I've been, I called you three times. You could have told me I did. So you have to put the pressure on them. You press them. You also have to have your offer strategically better than the other people.
1: And you got to get aggressive with that.
0: I mean, that's first and foremost. But then you got to make them
1: not say no to you. So so Mike, can, can I selfishly ask a question for my own personal gain? Hopefully the audience gets a lot of it as well. Andrew smiling for anybody who's going to be watching this on YouTube. It's because we have a conversation about this all the time. I literally have two phones. I have three. Di- actually have four different numbers now. And just like you're saying, when I submit that offer, first of all, before I submit that offer, I'm, I'm the first person that will text and call. I'm going to strike up a conversation about the house. And please give me feedback to see if I'm because I, I would like to be a top producer like you. I'm not there yet. I just started, but I'm pushing some kind of volume. I think it's OK, right? So I call them. I text them. Before I even show up to the open house, I see if I can if I can you know schedule a showing. I get to the open house, I shake their hand, I pull them aside, I start talking to them about what is the seller looking for. They give me the bullshit of give me your highest best. I said, listen, I appreciate that. I don't care about highest and best. I want to do the strongest. Everybody can give you the highest offer. Let's kind of go back and forth on this. So short inspection periods. Uh, I have the loan officer call. I have. You know i submit all this stuff like you said i submit the offer first as well and then i am so borderline annoying that sometimes they stop in my calls because i will call them two three four times literally in one day to see where we are at one point i had the listing agent sitting with his seller saying hey we're reviewing offers i'm like great Put me on speakerphone so I can so they can hear me speak about my clients. Lo and behold, 15 offers. We won. We were not the highest. Okay. We were probably the strongest, but I I I'm a firm believer that because of the borderline, probably annoying, annoying hounding that I've done, he was like, If if I don't give this kid this fucking deal. He's going to call me 15 more t- I just don't want to answer the phone from him anymore.
0: You're 100% right. And that's probably what, other than the offer itself in general, that's what got you your deal. Um, I would say like, like percentage-wise in this market, if I'm writing up, uh, if I'm getting, let's just call it 45 buyers or 40 buyers offers accepted this year, I'll probably have gotten beaten out maybe like, this year, probably like four or five times, um, and and here's the here's the one thing. Let's take the strategy on on the on the offer off the table because we can get into that. And we can have like a two hour conversation on that because there's definitely things that you can do to tweak things. But the first thing, and you'll probably learn this, and and I can already tell like you guys are very likable. Be thank you. Be likable. Be. <laughs> likeable. be Take your ego and put it right here. Just take your ego. You know how many times I call agents, even though like I, would, I would like this, and I, I don't want to sound like cocky or anything, but like my, I was, I'm in a small town, so people know who I am. Um, agents know who I am. But when I call and if I don't, if I've never had a conversation with them with the other agent, they're most likely going to know me anyway, I think for the most part. Um, but I always introduce myself. Hey, this is Mike Cianci calling from KW in Westchester. I just wanted to introduce myself. And they're like, Yeah, I, I know who you are, but let's just take that off the table. Let's just say you're calling an agent. This happens a lot. Like, hey, this is Mike Cianci calling about your 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 house you got for sale. It's all and they're like, Yeah, what can I do for you? Like, kind of like Snarky. Like, yeah, you're like the 15th agent that's called me. Guess what? That's not cool. Like, that is not cool. Don't be that guy. Whenever someone calls me, whether it's an appraiser that needs help, or it's another agent that needs help with something, be the person that is going to be willing to help that person out, even when there's nothing in it for you. Because guess what? It comes back to you one year from now, when you call them and you say, Hey, I got an offer for you. They're going to say, Mike, what do we need to do to get this done? Because I want to work with you. You helped me out a year ago. I never forgot that. Boom. Like I can't tell you how many times when I call people, call their agents, the ones that, just greet me with just a smile. I remember that. And they made me feel good. The ones that that were like, yeah, you're, like, you're the 15th person I got. These are the people that are doing like 10 deals a year. And they're like, they're all high and mighty because they got 15 offers. And then guess what? I put a listing on the, on the market seven days from now. They're one of my offers. And I'm going to remember that. I'm not going to not accept their offer just because it's them. But if it's tied and I've worked with someone else that I like better, I'm not going to
1: work with that person. Because of the way they treated me, I see, I think you make a very, very, very good point, like I just won an offer we were i we we were the first we were the highest and the best offer up until probably like the twenty third hour at the last moment, there was another offer that came in that was higher, but because I went to the open house, I talked with the agent, we kinda. Kicked it off about talking about sneakers, right? Because I'm really big into sneakers for anybody that's listening. Hit me up. Hi, beast. All the way. <laughs> okay. I'm really big into sneakers. I got talking with her and her lender. And we were just having a great chit chat. My buyer showed up. I said, yeah, guys, take a look. Go through the house. I am I'm a, a so believer that if I didn't connect with the lender and her at the sneaker level... I would have probably not gotten this shot. And the reason I say this is she called me, says, listen, I'm calling you because I really liked the conversation we had, really loved your clients, would love to see how I can help you get them into the house. But you are right now not the highest offer. Help me plead the case for my client of why I should take you over the other offer that has no appraisal contingency. Literally, they're willing to close a 20, 30K gap, no contingency. Why am I taking you with a 5K or 10K appraisal gap over them? I'm, I'm, I'm help, like, help me out here because I really want to do a deal with you. And it's not like, you know, I came in there, you know, big dick swinging, I'm the best. No, I came there with my hat. You know, I don't even think I had a pull. I just had a t shirt because I was, I was rushing from one appointment to the other. I was just being a genuinely, a kind human being. I walked in, I complimented the lender because he was wearing some Yeezys, and I, <laughs> you know, I turned around, she goes, "Oh, I sell shoes too." I'm like, "Oh my god, no way!" I pretty much bought my first house with you know profits from sneakers, and we just had a just just a different probably connection than anybody else that walked in because I know for a fact they had over eighty showings that day. Yes, you, know, you nailed uh, it and and i i find that what you're saying is i like i generally like have lived this philosophy of like treat others how you like to be treated but i've literally put in offers on guys that are not from this area um that are from like neighboring areas or an hour south of me where it's almost like a different market like miami is a different market than boca right it's it it just it just is the people mm-hmm. are different market's different product is different And whenever I deal with somebody from that market up here, it's almost like, oh, my God, I know this deal is not going to go smooth. Because like you're saying, it's that ego stuff that gets really in the way. And that's when I have to use one of my four numbers when I call somebody. (laughs) I don't like answering (laughs) your phone from me. Right. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, Now it's now now. it's, It's funny you say this also because. Now I have another deal that's pending with the guy that I want an offer with that we had a pending contract with about a month ago. And he he sees my name. I call him up and say, listen, I told you you're going to see me around. Sorry, we couldn't put the last one together. But can we make this one happen? And lo and behold, I'm on contract on a condo that I probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise unless I spoke with Alan um, on my other deal, which was the listing agent. Right. A hundred
0: percent. And guys, the the... the the transaction doesn't stop at getting the offer accepted. Like this morning I closed on a property where um, it's the second deal I did with this guy, this other listing agent, I represented both buyers And this, he lives in this neighborhood and he's got this neighborhood on lockdown and the transaction doesn't stop with the offer getting accepted because you, you're, you're targeting working with this agent again in the future. So he chose our offer over eight other offers. Um, we were the, we were the best offer overall. But um, I remember the last deal we did. I made sure like there was a huge appraisal issue. There was a couple of issues. I took care of everything. I made him want to work with me again. And guess what? It paid div- It was a nine hundred thousand dollar transaction each time. And and on this transaction, he wanted to work with me because he knew I willed us over the finish line. There was hurdles well, we got through it because I didn't just tuck my head under a rock. I mean, it happened. Um, so there's so many things you can do along the transaction where you can step up and you can be the guy where you can build your reputation because most agents in this, in this market or in general, they're not going, they're, they're going to put a hard stance. Oh, there's an inspection issue. We're, we're $2,000 off. Um, somewhere, somehow, some way, you can either split it. Most agents won't be willing to split the deal. If, if that's the case, I just step in and say, I'll take care of it. You know, I want to get this to the closing table. My buyers want this house. We're exhausted on all their. if I've exhausted all our avenues, I'm stepping in. I'm making it happen. Even if it costs me my entire commission, not every time, but there can be times when you need to step up and guess what? It pays off on the back end. Your clients realize it. The agents realize it and they want to people want to work with people like that. They just they want to work with people like
1: that. I think Mike, one of the really important things that you said is you step in and you take control of it, but it's also because you run a business and you understand that getting back in that car and starting this process all over actually costs you way more than just getting this one down three weeks in, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, I can't I can't tell you like how many deals in in my short. Three month career that I've had where I was like, I'm not fucking walking away from this deal for $1,500. Like, the gas in my Porsche is gonna cost more than that. Like, if I have to go back and show them 40 more houses, like, what the fuck? I'm not doing this. You know, I wanna spend time with the clients, but at the same time, they fell in love with that property. And it's my duty, obligation, and responsibility to get it to the finish line. And figure out creative ways to make it work, whether it's money from the lender, commissions, or you know. And I've I've not regretted it.
2: We've literally seen people lose deals, and like realtors lose deals because the realtor wasn't willing to give like 150 to 500 bucks, which is mental. Like they're going, no, I'm not giving you 150 dollars. I'll just get to find another deal, and you're like, what? And they're like, yeah. And like, you just can't reason with those people because they, they are not using logic at that point. Like at that point, I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. And there's no way I'm going to be able to reason with somebody that's going, I'm willing to lose a seven grand commission over $500. Right? Like-
1: but also the way the market's moving, that, it's like the, the, that property that was worth 450 today, it's not worth 50 tomorrow. At 30 days from now, it's probably worth like 460 475 hundred percent yeah so it's like shoot me like yeah. what are you thinking my friend guys a lot
0: of the agents a lot of the agents are coming from scarcity and you can see yeah. it when you're on you can see it when you go on a, a competitive listing appointment uh, some of the homeowner the, the sellers will tell like here's the thing like when you're on a listing appointment never ever ever talk bad about another realtor I don't care if they've wronged you I don't care. Cause that only makes you look bad. I, you know, yeah. there are so many, uh, there are so many times where the agent or I'm sorry, the seller said, Hey, you know, this agent, like threw this other guy under the, like, I, I it's so many times I hear this stuff like that. That would never ever come out of my mouth because you're insulting someone's character. Um, even though you've had a bad experience with someone doesn't mean you have the right to go and say, and that, again, that just makes you look bad to that seller. So, uh, you know, these agents. You know, it's it's a doggy dog world out there, but it, it becomes really easy, really efficient if you just go and do it the right way. If you just do it the right way and you're the person everyone wants to work with, it just things just crystallize and they become it just becomes easier. Year one wasn't the same as year fifteen. It just wasn't. It takes a while to get to that point.
2: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Now before you go, we're giving access to a private training we did where we revealed the top three niches to get listings today completely for free so if you want access you can go and download that training at eliteagentsecrets.com we're regularly releasing new trainings guides and cheat sheets so make sure to head over to eliteagentsecrets.com and sign up so you don't miss out